Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. So uh, thanks again for coming today. We're in a series in the book of James called All Day Every Day. And basically, the book of James is really, he's kind of stepping on our toes a little bit and talking about our faith. Is our faith real? Is it authentic? And how we can continue to grow our faith. And, and one of the things that we kind of, as we were studying the book of James, he's really talking about finding rhythm for your faith. It's, it's finding a rhythm where that all day, every day, you're practicing, not, you're practicing what you believe. You're putting action behind your faith. And the apostle James wrote these, this letter to some Jewish believers who were struggling. And uh, they had kind of fallen away from believing God's word or actually putting action to God's word. And, and James is reminding them, hey, well, you need to re- reestablish godly habits in your life. Because when you reestablish those godly habits in your life, they will start changing your life. And we're going to talk really more in depth about that today. Because guess what? Why would we want to waste our time coming to church if we don't have a life change in our life, if we don't have a change in our life? I mean, we really need to have a change in our life. We need to have that whole perspective of have the power of the Holy Spirit changing us from the inside out. That's what's rewarding is when God starts to change us. And this is what James is talking about. Uh, this is our uh, second half of James. We're going to be studying the second half of James chapter 2, which focuses on the authenticity of our faith. And now some people believe this passage of Scripture is in contradiction to the writings of the Apostle Paul because Paul teaches heavily on the grace of God. Paul teaches that we are saved by his grace, by God's grace. And it is because of our faith in Jesus Christ that we are saved. But it's not by the works that we have done. The Apostle Paul teaches very uh, direct on that. It's not by our works. But James kind of teaches that our faith and our works, they, they go together. So some people think that James is kind of in contradiction with the Apostle Paul, but I'm here to share with you today that he is not. It's important to understand, and I feel like we need to lay a little background here. When Paul is writing his letters, he's combating some uh, false teachings out there uh, where basically uh, people were teaching that if you obeyed the law, that you would be saved. Well, guess what? You can do all the works that you want to do, but your works will never save you. Only Jesus Christ can save you. Only your faith in Jesus Christ has the ability and the power to save your life. And that was what Paul was trying to combat. But my, like most situations, have you guys ever shared something and you, you said something and then all of a sudden you, you found out and it came back around to you and, you and someone said you said this and you're like, what? I never said that. All of a sudden your words got twisted and they got misused and they got you know, kind of contradictory. And you go, that, I never said that. Well, this is what's happened to the Apostle Paul's teachings. There's a group of believers out there that basically are saying, hey, Paul teaches if you have faith in Jesus, it doesn't matter if you want, you can live a sinful life. It doesn't matter because of the grace of God will cover your sins. And this was a teaching for some believers. And, and James is battling that. He's going against that, that, hey, that, you know what? That's not the case. Because Paul was never saying that our lives shouldn't be an example of good works. Paul was stating that our faith can never be in our works, but our faith must be in Christ alone. And it's important that we understand that there is no contradiction between Paul's writings and the writings of James. James is not refuting the Apostle Paul. 
James is refuting the misuse of the Apostle Paul's teachings. In fact, Paul himself actually, actually refutes the misuse of his teachings. We can find that in Romans chapter 6. The Apostle Paul writes these words. It says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue in sin? Even the Apostle Paul says, man, if there's been a transformation in your life, guess what? There's going to be a transformation, an outward manifestation of what God is doing inside of your life. Paul was an activist for God's grace through faith, but Paul was also an advocate that our faith in Christ will bring about a changed life. And that's what we're talking about today. And I felt like we just needed to take a moment to reaffirm that our foundation is in Jesus Christ alone. But guess what? There should be actions that follow that faith. Amen? Everybody with me today? But let's look at some of the powerful words that James shares in the, starting in verse 14 of James chapter 2. And I encourage you, if you have your Bibles today or if you have a device, turn it on and just stay there in James chapter 2. Uh, we'll be going through that second half of that chapter. James starts off in verse 14. He says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you, ha- you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Have you ever heard of this term, a result-oriented? Have you ever heard of that term of being result-oriented? It's, 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 it kind of gets a bad rap sometimes because it focuses on results. And uh, I share that today because it's, it's not, result-oriented means that it's not so much about the process. It's concerned about what is being delivered, the results that are be, being delivered. James, in this passage of Scripture, is focused on results. If your faith is not producing life-changing results, then you need to reevaluate your faith. And it's a great question. He's posing this to the readers, but it's a great question for you and me today and that we need to answer that question. Is my life producing results? Jesus said it this way in in John chapter 15, verse 8. He says, when you produce fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings glory to my heavenly Father. He's expecting that we're producing fruit, that there's something that's taking place in our life. And so my first thought that I want to share with you today is followers of Jesus, we need to have a result-oriented faith. A result-oriented faith. Let me illustrate it this way. Imagine, maybe you, some of you guys probably work out. Anybody here work out on a regular basis? Okay, there's some of you. Okay, not a lot of us right here. Anybody, are you, how many eat healthy? Anybody, okay, there's a few more. Okay, there you go. So some of you are eating healthy. You're not working out. You're not doing the two together. But imagine what happens, and I'm not either, so I'm putting myself in that camp as well. Imagine what would happen if we all of a sudden started choosing to exercise every day for one to two hours a day. I just heard of someone that took a bike ride yesterday, a 122-mile bike ride. I, won't, I, won't, I don't see him. I, I thought he was here. Maybe he came to first service. Crazy. Oh, there, oh, he's back in the back. Polly, I don't know how your husband does it. 122-mile bike ride. I'm thinking I, I could maybe do five miles and I'd be done. I mean, it'd be over for me. But 
What would happen in our life when we started exercising? Every five days a week, we put in one to two hours a day. And then all of a sudden, we decided to start choosing to eat well. You know, we started, we're going to eat healthy. We're not, no more late night nachos, you know, no more. If you go outside today after church and you see the donuts out there, you're going to say no to the donuts, no to the maple bar, no to that twist, all that. No more, ladies, no more triple shot vanilla lattes with the extra foam. None of that for you anymore. No more pizzas, no more garlic fries. I know, I know. No more mac and cheese, any of those things, because I have made a decision that I'm going to start eating healthy. And, you know, the, we're going to start eating spinach and cauliflower and beets and almonds and all these other healthy food choices. Are you guys with me? How many of you going to join me on this whole bandwagon? Some of you guys are already doing it, I know, but okay, there you go. So we're going to say, have you, here, here's another thought. I'm just going down, having fun today a little bit. Have you ever noticed that they always try to hide healthy food? You know, have you noticed that they put it in a smoothie? It's supposed to, like, make it taste better. It still tastes bad. But they put it in a smoothie. Or they, they smoosh it into a patty. It's called a vegetable patty, and you can make it, like, look like a hamburger. Or, or you know, they, they have these vegan desserts. Have you ever had a vegan? Oh, my gosh. You know, so they have vegan desserts. Bring me a good vegan dessert. I'll give it a shot. But, you know, it's just interesting that Annette used to try to do that in our family. She would try to introduce healthy food in our family. And I remember as we'd get around the table, and, and Annette is horrible at deception, absolutely horrible at it. And we would sit down, and we'd start to eat, and all of a sudden she would look at all of us and look at the kids, and, and she'd have this, her grin on her face, how's it taste? And immediately we all knew that our food had been sabotaged by some type of healthy substance in our food because how, how does it taste? Because we knew she would never ask that question unless there was something in it. You're always hiding healthy food. I don't know why we have to do that. I mean, like a New York steak, you would never consider blending a New York steak or, or, or putting it into a patty. It stands on its own, just on my own, just, just, just thought. But here's where I'm going with this. Imagine taking the time to exercise. Imagine taking the time to eat healthy every day. You're just making But then all of a sudden, the results are not what you were expecting. All of a sudden, the results, you're gaining weight. Your cholesterol is soaring through the roof. Your blood sugar is high. And you're going, what is happening? I'm eating healthy. Guess what? I'm exercising daily. Why, why am I having no results? You would stop dieting. You would stop exercising if you were not getting the results that you were expecting to see, right? It wouldn't be taking place. I wouldn't think you would do it. But here's the real truth of that. And we know this because we've all done it. What's actually happening is that we're cheating on our diet. When my wife goes to bed at 10, the nachos come out, okay, and the ice cream comes out. And she knows, I try to hide the evidence. I put it in the dishwasher before she can see it. I'll even take the garbage out. So she, When she was gone on this trip to Washington, I had three milkshakes all in one weekend. It was so good. I was just like going all, she goes, I can't leave you at any point in your life, Tom. You're not going to be able to do it. So the real truth is this, you're not getting results because guess what, you're cheating on your diet, you're cheating on your exercise. James is challenging our faith in a similar fashion. If your faith is not producing any results, and you're doing, then you're doing something wrong, you're cheating on your faith. Because real faith produces results, 
all day, every day. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If you put your faith into action, you're going to see results. If it, you're not getting results, guess what? Most likely your heart, you're starting to cheat on your faith. Think about this. And I thought about this, and it, it hit me hard this week. Some of the hindrances of non-believers that are choosing not to go into church or choosing not to. Sometimes a non-believer will see the, re- the reason they will choose not to do something is because they see a believer who claims to be a follower of Christ, but they don't see any life change. They see them in the grocery store yelling at the clerk. They see him driving down the freeway, flipping someone off. They see, and they don't see any, and they think, why would I ever want to go to church or follow God if that's what they are, who they are? I don't want to be like that. You see, it's so important that we have a result-oriented faith, not just for our spiritual growth, but for the growth and the ability for others to come to Christ. We need to actually practice what we preach. We need to put our faith into action. And when that starts to take place, people will go, man, there's something different about this person. What's so different? And we can share, guess what? I, choose, I'm, I made a decision to follow Christ. And I literally, the Spirit of God helps me each and every day to overcome my, my fleshly desires, my evil thoughts. My, the Spirit of God has helped me through it. And that might sound weird, but if someone is searching for truth, that won't sound weird to them. They'll light up and they go, hey, I need to know that because I am struggling. You see, more people are struggling out there than we ever know. Here in America, we're really good at hiding things. Really good at hiding things. Guess what? When we start practicing authentic faith, it's going to expose to people, hey, I need that. And we can start making a difference in the lives of people. James states it this way. In verse 17 of James chapter 2, he says, and we're going to go through verse 20. He says, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue some people have faith and others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe that there is one God good for you. That's the way I'm hearing James tell me. Even the demons believe this. And they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? James is now applying basically a, a pressure to the chokehold. If, if you can imagine the readers that are actually reading the book of James, and we are reading the, we're those readers because we've read the book of James or working through that. It's just like James has, the, everybody's in a chokehold. And he's just starting to apply the truth and he's starting to put pressure on it. And he's just waiting for people to start tapping. They go, okay, 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 enough, you're right, you're, you're right, you're right. My faith needs to become more authentic to God. James hits, man, he steps on toes. I mean, you want to talk about stepping on toes? He says, oh, you claim your, your faith because you, know, you believe in the existence of God. Oh, good for you. Even the demons believe that. That's nothing special. The special thing is, are you following after Jesus? And all of a sudden, James is showing us a way that all of us need to start taking and moving forward. And many of you are doing that, and it can be life-changing, and we need to be an example of that for others. Believing in the existence of God is not enough. We must be following after God. We must be striving to obey God. It brings me to my second thought that I want to share with you today. The thought of faith is not enough. 
It's just like what I was sharing with you earlier if we stay on the same theme of exercise and dieting. The thought of dieting is not enough. The thought of exercising is not enough. And I, 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 feel, like, I feel like I need to confess sins today. Is that okay? I feel like I'm in a time of confession. I went out to my, my um, elliptical machine out in the garage. I haven't been on it for a while. The battery wasn't charged. You know what charges the battery? Use, using it. So it was dead. And so I got on there. No, none of the lights were working. I kept on riding, 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 riding. All of a sudden I see a light pop off and pop off. Like, okay, I'm charging the battery. Because it hadn't been used enough. Sometimes our faith gets that way. Amen. So it's not just the thought of faith. Guess what? It's turning into action. Your faith has, is no different than like the thought of trying to exercise. We all know this when it comes to something physical, but so many times we have a tendency not to apply it to our, the same rationale to our spiritual life. I think all of us would agree that exercising, eating healthy would improve our physical life. Ask anyone and they would agree to that statement. But the, only those who are disciplined, who are willing to put in the practice, are going to see the results. And so then I would challenge all of us, what are you doing to grow your faith? Every day, all day, every day, what are you doing that's making a difference in your life so that you can make a difference in other people's life? It's not just the thought that counts. You, gotta, you need to have some time in God's word. The, word. the word of God, Jesus is powerful and it's effective and it's able to change our lives. Why would we want to dive into God's word? Why would we want to spend some, you know, we can talk about politics. We can talk about the elections. We can do all that kind of stuff. You know the greatest thing that we can do is pray. It's taken, and we can do a prayer meeting here at the church. We can come together. But you don't have to wait for a prayer meeting. You can just pray. We need to be praying right now. Lord, we just need to pour out our hearts to God and start to pray. And not just for the election. We need to pray for people and how they're going to respond. Because we're so divided in this country. Let's pray for unity. Let's pray that God will restore unity back in the lives of people. And I know there's good versus evil. I get that. But let's let good win out. Amen? Let's just be praying for that. that that's going to take place in our lives. I don't know where I'm at. I'm lost a little bit right now, but that's okay. But the thing is, only those who are disciplined enough to act will ever gain results. And I want to ask it maybe a little different way. Because I'm just kind of drilling this one point over and over again to your lives today. I was thinking about my wife and I. We're, we're taking one big project a year on our house. Uh, we've replaced the AC unit, the heating. We've done that already. We did all the windows in our house. We were just like single pane. We, dealt, we did the windows like last year or a year before. And this year we're trying to get our fence repaired. Because all <laughs> our fence, I don't know if you have this fence. Our fence is literally held up by the vines. You know what I'm saying? The vines is literally holding up our fence. And so we're wanting to get our fence repaired. And I was thinking about if you had to hire a contractor, if you had to hire something out and you wanted, because you're not going to do it, you needed someone to do that work for you. And, and you had people come to your house and you're interviewing them. And, man, there's a person that, man, he's really good at a sales pitch. I mean, he, can, man, he, he has the right words to say. He has, and it's really, you know, really good. But he doesn't show you any of his work. There's no, there's no, he doesn't give you any evidence of what he's done. Then another person comes, and maybe he's not as good at, at communicating, but, man, he starts to flip the pages of all the projects that he's completed. 
And he starts to show you this, and you go like, oh, that's gorgeous. And he shows you, yeah, this. And he starts to show, who would you go with? Who would you make the choice? You would go with the, some, the person that, guess what, has some results. Amen? You would go with that person. At least I hope you would do so. Because that is, they are making a change. and It's not just the words. It's not just the thought. But guess what? They have something to back up their faith. That's what I kind of challenge for all of us today. And some of you might be asking the question, Pastor Tom, how do I act upon my faith? You talk about action of faith, but what does that look like? And I'm so glad you asked today because I want to share with that to you today. Do you remember the old bracelets, uh, necklaces that people were wearing? I think they were back in the 1990s or maybe the 2000s, and they were WWJD. Anybody? Yeah? What did that stand for? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And I would challenge, that's what our faith should be like. If we want to put action to our faith, what would Jesus do? We act upon our faith by taking time to pray for one another. We act upon our faith by helping those who are in need. By being encouraging and uplifting when someone is discouraged. By taking time to love someone, especially those who are, are that the, the society would say that are unlovable. What would happen if we took time to love them? By choosing to forgive, huge one. By making a choice that I'm not going to hold unforgiveness in my heart and in my life, I'm going to choose to forgive. Because if I know if I forgive, all of a sudden I'm putting action. You know, years ago, I have a good friend. His name is Paul. I don't, he wouldn't care. Paul Anderson from Marysville. We're close friends. or actually from Lake Stevens. Sorry, Paul. Uh, from, uh, we're close friends. Been close friends for years. But years ago, we had a kind of a falling out over some things. And, and we were struggling. And... and um, I never forget, Paul taught me something that was so powerful. Uh, he came to me, and he just broken, completely apologetic, came to me and said, man, Tom, I, I want to ask for your forgiveness. And he did it in such an authentic way. Something powerful took place in that. It was an act of faith. Something powerful took place. All of a sudden, the two of us came into unity together. There was a restorative relationship. We are... He's my closest friend outside my family. He's my closest friend in the world. And we've been close friends for probably 25 years now. In fact, my daughter's going to be getting married in his backyard next August because we're going to do the whole thing over there. And, and I was thinking about that. What would have happened if Paul, when all of a sudden the Spirit of God came upon him and said, you know what, you need to go to Tom and ask for forgiveness. What would have happened if he didn't act upon that faith in his life? Guess what? We would not have that relationship today. But because he was willing to step out in faith and go, you know what, God, you're telling me. I, and it takes faith to go and ask for forgiveness. That's not an easy thing to do. Because that means you have to put your pride down. And I like pride. You know what I'm saying? We all like that pride thing. And God's just trying to get that out of our heart. And life. He came and he came to me and asked, and he restored a relationship. And we've been friends ever since. And you know what? Nothing gets between our friendship now. Because there's been a relationship that's been built upon sacrifice for one another. And it is strong. And it's because he acted out in faith. All day, every day. That's who we need to be. Is letting our faith be seen. Let's look at verses 21 through 24 of James chapter 2. The Apostle Paul writes these words. He says, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his action, actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. 
You see, his faith and his actions work together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scripture says. Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. These are the words that gets James in trouble, or at least people think that James is conflicting with the Apostle Paul, but he's not. He's just basically saying there has to be some results from your faith. And it brings me to my final thought that I want to share with you today. And I want you to look at the end of verse 22. It says, his actions made his faith complete. Actions complete our faith. Or you could see, say that actions are the evidence of our faith. I read a commentary the other day. And it says that faith is the cause and works are the effects. And you can think about it this way as well. Good fruit on a tree does not necessarily make the tree healthy. Good fruit doesn't make the tree healthy. But good fruit demonstrates that the tree is healthy. Does that make sense? It's, it's a good fruit on the tree that you recognize, oh, that's healthy. See, in a Christian's life, guess what? Good works is not going to save us. But good works represents that's a healthy Christian life who's following after Jesus. Because it comes out of our heart. The good works represents who we are in Christ. Actions complete our faith. Faith and actions need to work together if we want to see results in our life. At the end of the chapter 2, James gives two different illustrations. One, he talks about Abraham and Isaac. Abraham's the father, Isaac's the son. And then the second one that he talks about is, is Rahab, the prostitute. And they're both great illustrations. But we're going to talk about Abraham and Isaac because I think many people get hung up on this one illustration where God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son. Now, many people think, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Back up the truck, Pastor Tom. What, what are you saying? God asked for a human sacrifice? I didn't think that God would condone human sacrifice. And and. I'm telling you right now here, here today, he doesn't. But I want you to show something because it's symbolic of something that's really important for us to understand. So I want you to take a, away from your mind the whole idea or the thought, God asked for a human sacrifice. But I want you to think about this thought. Abraham was willing to obey God. It's a powerful thought when you understand that Abraham and Sarah, their son Isaac, that was their first son born to the two of them. They had been praying for a child. They were unable to have a child. In fact, Isaac is a miracle child from God. And now God is asking, asking Abraham to return that child through a sacrifice. And we think it's a crazy thought. We think, who would ever ask of that? That is the craziest thing I could ever imagine. Why would God ever ask Abraham to give up his one and only son Except that 2,000 years ago or 2,000 years later is symbolic of what the Heavenly Father does for you and for me when he gives up and he sacrifices his one and only son. You see, the whole story is symbolism of what's going to take place in the future because all of a sudden Abraham stepped out in faith and believed and ushered into a new covenant that by faith we can have salvation through Jesus Christ, but it costs something. It costs something. It costs Jesus his life. It costs Jesus the humiliation of being crucified on the cross. You see, sometimes your faith is going to cost you something. 
And sometimes we're not understanding that. But that's what James is talking about in this passage of Scripture. Guess what? You can't just live and follow after Jesus and just have the thought of faith. And if you have no results and just think, I'm doing fine. No, 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 no. Faith will always cost something. But the rewards of it can be life-changing for you. See, Abraham's stepping out in faith didn't just usher in a new covenant for him and God. It ushered, up, ushered in a new covenant between us and God. It was for all mankind. And I started thinking about this, this whole idea of how actions complete our faith. What opportunities maybe do we miss out in life just because we're afraid to act upon our faith? Fear grabs our life. Oh, I should go say that something that person because I know I should because I did wrong. And fear grips, no, I'm just going to let it go. But yet God, you know in your heart that God wanted you to go do it. And if you would have done it, if you would have acted upon your faith, it would have set something in motion that had been life-changing for you and for the other person. Abraham's faith was great, and he believed that God could even raise his son Isaac from the dead if necessary. And if you read the account of Abraham's faith in Genesis chapter 22, you'll discover that God spares his life by giving a sacrifice of a ram that's caught in a thicket of bushes. And that ram became the sacrifice. And Abraham named the place in verse 14 of Genesis 22, he named the place uh, Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. You see, when you step out in faith, the Lord's going to provide for you. Instead of being on your own merits, instead of trying to do it through your own good works, guess what? Step out in faith and watch what will take place. God will be, uh, be a provider for you. Abraham was counted as righteous because he acted upon his faith. What doors can your faith open if you're willing to act? Our faith will never be seen as complete if we're not willing to turn it into action. Abraham is called a friend of God. Not because he believed in God, but because he was willing to obey God. It was a friendship that was built upon sacrifice. Luke chapter 10, and this is the story I'm going to finish on today. Luke chapter 10 records one of the most famous parables in the Bible. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. Many of you have heard this story. How many have heard this story of the Good Samaritan? Raise your hands. Okay. In fact, people that really don't even go to church have heard the story of the Good Samaritan. They might not even realize that it's from the Bible. But Jesus shares this parable because all of a sudden a religious ruler of the day comes to Jesus and he asks the question, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds with a, with a statement that we've talked about over and over again at this church. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. And then the religious ruler all of a sudden looks back at Jesus and says, Jesus, who is my neighbor? And then all of a sudden... It is here where Jesus starts to share the parable of the Good Samaritan. And the reason I want to finish with this story, because I believe that there is no greater example, or this is one of the greatest examples in the Bible, of someone acting upon their faith. You see, Jesus starts to share that there is this Jewish man who had been beaten and robbed. He was stripped of his clothes, robbed of all of his possessions, and he was basically left for dead on the side of the road. A priest comes walking by and he sees the man beaten and robbed and he walks by and he, it says in scripture that he actually crossed 
He went across the street. He didn't want to walk on the same side of the street. He didn't want to look at the man. He kept walking by. And then a temple assistant walked by. Now these are, remember Jesus is talking, Jesus is sharing the story to a religious ruler of the day. Then he says the temple assistant walked by. He sees the man laying on the side of the road beaten and robbed. He crosses the street. He doesn't want to be involved and walks down the street and walks away. And then all of a sudden a Samaritan man, he walks by. He sees the man who's been beaten, robbed, and left for dead. And Scripture says that compassion welled up in his heart. And he stopped there, and he helped the man. And he took a man, the man to an inn, and he paid the innkeeper extra money to care for this man until he was healthy and brought back to, to a good state where he could work on his own. It was a Samaritan man. And see, this, the, the interesting thing about this story when Jesus is sharing this to the religious, Jewish religious rulers of the day, Samaritans and Jews did not get along. The Jews hated the Samaritans. There's a racial division. And so when Jesus uses this illustration, he talks about a Samaritan man. You see, here's the, here's the cool thing about this whole story. The Samaritan man acted upon his faith. He acted upon his faith. It was an act of faith. It was, it was the willingness to sacrifice for someone else in need. You see, the faith of the rabbi, the faith of the temple assistant, they were weighed, they were measured. If you ever heard that saying, and they were found wanting. Their faith was incomplete. It was only the Samaritan's faith that was found complete because he acted upon the opportunity that God presented. And see, this would have driven those people crazy back when Jesus was sharing because they thought they were right and the Samaritans had no opportunity. There was no way that God could love the Samaritans. And Jesus uses the Samaritan as the illustration. So this is the thing that I want to bring to you today. It's not about the thought of faith. It's upon the action of faith. You see, we can have all the wonderful good thoughts that we could have, but the Samaritan man ends up in the Bible as the one in the parable that, guess what? His faith was found complete. It was complete. The other two, the rabbi and the temple worker, they, their faith was incomplete. What made his faith complete? It was action. That's what the whole book of James, that second part of that chapter is talking about, is the completion of your faith. Not that his actions had anything to do with his salvation, but his actions were proof of authentic faith. Today, as followers of Jesus, let's act upon our faith. That's all I want to share with you today. I know I went several different ways around it to get there. But sometimes you got to repeat and you got to keep moving. you got to keep going that same direction. If you're watching us online, let's act upon our faith. What is God asking you to do? What is God challenging you to do? That you've been kind of afraid of doing. You've been kind of facing it in fear. And God said, okay, enough is enough. I know that you believe in me, but now I want to see action behind the faith. Step out and trust God and see what will take place. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, God, that it's the power of your word that will change our life. Lord, I pray that our faith as follow, followers of you, for each and every one of us, maybe for some who have been struggling in this area, area we all struggle at times. God, I pray that you would give us the resolve 
Lord God, not just to think about faith or not just to believe in you, God, and, and that's enough, but God, that there would be a life transformation in our hearts in such a way, Lord God, that our faith would all of a sudden take legs. They'd start walking and there'd be action to our faith. I pray this church, Lord God, as we get ready for Thanksgiving, as we get ready for Christmas, as we get ready for all these different things, Lord God, we will not just do celebrations, but Lord God, we will act upon the faith and help those that who are in need or who need help, Lord Jesus. I thank you for what you're going to do in and through our lives today as we choose to trust you and follow you. Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.